despite what the S Superman shirt that I am currently wearing might suggest it was a loss, unfortunately, a series loss for the San Diego Padres, losing the final game of this three-game set 5-2 to two, after a very poor start from Seth Lugo. Although, not all positives, don't need to go all negative, but man, let me tell you, this Padres offense is tough to watch. We're going to be talking about all that and more, guys. You know what you're listening to, so let's get started. You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Wednesday, April 27th. As always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with my baseball written work over at Just Baseball. It's a cool website. You can go check that out. Or you might be familiar with my tweets, which you can find at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres for the show account, you know updates from the show and whatnot. Go follow both of those, especially if you like live tweets of the game, which is what I usually do over at Locked On Padres account, at LO underscore Padres. And also check out Locked On Padres on YouTube where you can see my Superman shirt, you can see the Tatis bobblehead, you can see Pac-Man from Michael Waka, you know, Waka Waka, all that stuff. Go check that out, guys. On today's show, we are recapping the last two games of this series against the Cubs, a series that started off disastrously, then had its moment of joy and hopefulness, and then it went back downhill to earn the series loss for the Padres, despite a really great showing uh, in the first series back for Fernando Tatis Jr. over the weekend, or I should say over from last Thursday. Uh, Despite that, uh, following that up with a uh, another series that showcases the issues with the team. Uh, and we're going to start off by recapping uh, today's game, of course, because I like to save the most positive stuff for last. We're going to talk about the win that they had. But first, let's talk about the loss. And I think that the first thing that needs to be talked about is Mr. Manny Machado. I wrote over at JustBaseball.com. You guys can go check it out if you want. I put the links on Twitter and whatnot if you're curious about reading the written version of it. But uh, Manny Machado has been awful. This year, he's one of only 30 players, I believe, still, despite today's game, that are in the negative for wins above replacement on the season, which is not a place you want to be whatsoever, even if it's still just like, you know, 30 or so games into the season. It's still rough. It's still rough. Or how many games is it actually? 13, 13. So less than 30, it's about 26 games, 27 games uh, into the season. You still don't want to be there. That's really disastrous. Um, and in this game, Bob Melvin makes a managerial decision to move him down the lineup to fifth in the order. Manny Machado has only batted fifth once in his career before today. For those who don't know, he's been in the league for uh, quite some time. Back when I was still in high school. You know, back in the, the when 2012, the movie was a thing. Remember when the world was supposed to end there? Well, it ended for uh, the Padres, apparently, today. But uh, in terms of Machado there, he moves him down to the fifth spot. It was Cronenworth, then Tatis then Soto, and then Bogarts, and then Manny Machado. I thought that that was an interesting lineup decision by Melvin, and justified. Uh, Machado has looked really poor this year. I mentioned it a little bit beforehand, but, you know, slow start, just not hitting the ball well, hitting into a lot of double plays, just, you know, having some really poor at-bats. He had one poor at-bat, actually, in the game that the Padres eventually ended up winning uh, last night, where he just swung at the first three pitches. They were all, like, kind of, you know, off-speed sliders off the plate. I think it was actually curveballs, actually. And he just swung at each of them and looked terrible. I mean, he just clearly couldn't catch up to Drew Smiley's stuff. He's looked pretty awful this year. But in the fifth spot, again, it's only the second time in his career that he's ever batted fifth. 
He's batted eight, seven, seven, eight, nine before. He's obviously batted, you know, second, third, and fourth and whatnot, but only a second time. And he has, dare I say, one of his better games of the damn season, honestly. Not accounting for defense and whatnot that he's uh, been doing really well at. But uh, Manny Machado in this game, two for four with an RBI home run solo shot that he hits in his first at bat. Um, it was a pretty well hit ball for the most part. He actually almost gets another one a little bit later on in the game. Uh, takes the guy to the warning track, actually. Um, Velasquez to the warning track. Um, doesn't actually end up getting out. He got a little bit under it. But it was still really cool to see that Machado at least did a little bit of something. It wasn't the hardest hit ball of the day. But he also hit a single later on that was um, pretty well hit as well that sneaks through. Um, but it was just cool to see that in his first game being given a new role that he did well there. Uh, so love to see that. But unfortunately, the Padres only score two runs. They only score one more later. Uh, Cronenworth in this game, despite getting kind of his first leadoff start of the season, I think it was his first one of the season, 0 for 4 with a walk. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., he does go 1 for 4 with a strikeout. You know, he gets one hit in this game, but not particularly uh, hit all that hard. Although, I will say he did get a little bit unlucky. He had a flyout later on that Seiya Suzuki catches. Uh, exit velocity wasn't the har hardest of the day, but an expected batting average of 830. So he did get a little bit unlucky with that. Suzuki tracked that ball well, so maybe it could have been more for Tatis. I've really loved what I've seen from him so far. Kind of doesn't look like he's lost really a step. Uh, in terms of just the raw kind of talent there. You're still seeing him hit the ball hard. He's not swinging at ultimate garbage. He's still got speed on the base bats. So he's looked all right there. And to be honest, he's looked okay in the outfield as well. So love what I've seen from Tatis. But that's basically it from the offensive side of things. Juan Soto gets a hit in this one and draws a walk, which isn't bad. Uh, but we're still waiting. Still hitting below 100. Or 200, I'm sorry. And Trinkersham low-key actually also hitting below 200 now. He's had a rough go of things. He's hitless since April 21st. Actually, he has not managed to get a hit. So since that incredible game against the D-backs, he has not gotten a hit. He has drawn a walk, which is important to note, in basically all of those games except for today's game. But just throwing it out there that Grisham, unfortunately, having some trouble making contact. He's in a little bit of a rough patch right now. Um, and that's basically it to report on the Padres' offensive side of things. We do have to talk about Seth Lugo, though. Uh, Seth Lugo, who I have been mildly impressed with, I think, given his role and given the fact that he's a reliever coming out and having starts where he's going deep into games, the, you know, seven innings, six innings. He did get roughed up in the Milwaukee start, but, you know, six innings in the start after that against Arizona, in which he only gives up two runs and strikes out six. Unfortunately, this game, five innings, four earned runs. Not the worst in the world. He didn't walk a batter, which was nice, but he gives up some absolute nukes, including two. And I know you guys are probably waiting. Long time listeners probably waiting before I brought this up. The ground ball gremlin did not hit a ground ball. He hits the farthest hit of the day, 414 feet. Exit velocity of 109.3 miles per hour, thus third hardest um, ball of the day that was hit. 970 expected batting average for a home run. Mr. Eric Hosmer, honestly, take a bow. Take a bow. I, I mean, he deserves a clap against his former team hitting a home run. I did kind of enjoy, to be totally honest with you, the moments when Tatis got on base early on to start the game, his little bloop single, and then he hugged uh, Hosmer at first base. Manny, you know, said hi or whatever. They were joking around. Again, I have never, we don't have to get into this again, but I've never doubted that he's a great clubhouse guy. I've never doubted that whatsoever. Go, if you want, listen, go type on YouTube, whatever. My episode where I described why Padres fans, I think, hate Eric Hosmer. But uh, it's only natural that he hits a home run. It's only natural that former Padres do something against us or just do better elsewhere. 
for those who didn't see Mackenzie Gore's start, looked uh, pretty good against the Mets the other day. Uh, if you guys want to see some awesome pitching, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, Seth Lugo in this game, despite having, in my opinion, a decent start to the season. I'm not interested in all the baseball savant stuff. I know his hard hit stuff suggested that he was due to give up a you know a couple nukes, and he does in this game uh, for sure. Nelson Velasquez, the other one, uh, who it's an absolute bomb as well. But for me, I think that was what was rough in this game is that his spin rate across the board was down. Um, basically with every pitch. He did not generate any whiffs on his curveball either, which has kind of been the, the thing that, you know, he's got a big spin rate on that thing. It's only down by 11 revolutions per minute. Don't get me wrong. Not the craziest dip in spin rate. It might have just been a rough start. But overall, just a lot of negatives. The vertical break on all of his pitches was down. The horizontal break on all of his pitches were down. Just not a great start. And I think that, you know, again, this is still a back end of the rotation starter. I do still think rocking a 3.5 ERA, you could do a lot worse. And it wouldn't be viewed as badly if the Padres offense wasn't just so anemic, wasn't so consistently underperforming. Um, game after game and night after night, they don't drive runners in with scoring position. Yes, it was nice to see what Manny did today, getting back on the board, having a two for four game, hitting a home run. I mean, on his, his first plate appearance, it was great. But overall, just the Padres offense, just not... Uh, coming through when you need them to come through. And every time, it's so funny because I feel the Padres fans ready to explode. I feel myself ready to explode and be like, there we go. This is what we waited off season for, even when it's in the bottom of the ninth of this past game. You know, you start off the, the inning with a, a man on base, with Hassan Kim getting on base, and then Nelson Cruz pinch hits for Brett Sullivan, the backup catcher, and he immediately grounds into a double play. It's just every time this team seems like, there it is, there's the offense, it's awakening, then they just put up a bunch of stinkers. You know, you saw that against the Braves three weeks ago, when on Sunday Night Baseball, Nelson Cruz had like nine RBIs. Then what happens? Absolute stinkers after that, right? And then they, they're miserable, they have that Brewers series um, after the Mets series where they, uh, or no, I'm sorry, they have the, wait, wait, when did they, wasn't it the Brewers that they only put up? Yeah, then they have that four-game set against the Brewers when they put up three runs, two runs, and then 10, which was a good game for them, and then zero, and then Atlanta. Atlanta was a series in which they were disastrous. My apologies, guys, in which they put up just only two runs in, like, four games, and then the Braves kick their butts again, and then they blow up with the D-backs. They have a great series against them, the return of Tatis, and then back to kind of this series where it was just a whole lot of um, not exciting uh, offense, I think, for the Padres. And I think that the starting pitching has been okay, all things considered. Considering that that was supposed to be the weakness of the team, uh, it hasn't been all that bad. But unfortunately, Padres' offense has not been um, what it was built to be, not what it was expected to be. And that's uh, really unfortunate because that's what we're waiting all offseason for, uh, especially with Manny and Soto just being disastrous. But before we continue talking and recapping, hopefully some good news. Uh, one game that did go the Padres' uh, way on Tuesday and the excitement of that game. Guys, let's talk really quickly about So Rare, one of our new sponsors over at Locked On MLB, the network as a whole. It's a revolutionary baseball game. It's got all the stuff you want and Marketplace turning fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards and collectibles featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. It's basically like trading cards across with fantasy. And you might have seen it. You might have been patrolling the, the the baseball Twitters and you're seeing all sorts of content creators talking about this thing because it's rad. It's cool. If you're annoyed by... It's a little bit of that daily fantasy vibe too, which is really cool. You kind of, you know, you're pulling multiple cards and you have a chance, by the way, if you do well, to meet maybe some, some MLB stars. You know, Mr. Soto and Julio Rodriguez, their ambassadors 
for uh, so rare, so maybe you get to beat them. I don't know. But it's really cool. And uh, you might have seen a bunch of people talking about it. And what I like is, you know, I've never, you know, when you have that disastrous fantasy team, maybe you're one of those people who, you know, you drafted Tristan McKenzie and you drafted Musgrove and, you know, your, your pitching has been off the, hasn't been good so far. And maybe you drafted O'Neill Cruz of the Pirates and, you know, you're just, maybe you drafted Manny. <laughs> you drafted Manny or Soto, I mean, for, for, for God's sake. Uh, maybe you've been doing rough. Well, so rare. It's like a three to four day cycle. MLB game weeks happen twice weekly and span a three to four day cycle, I should say. And at the end of game weeks, so rare MLB managers who rank at or near the top of their leaderboards win a variety of rewards, which include scarcity cards from SoRare, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, VIP experiences, all sorts of stuff. So go check that out, guys. Head to SoRare.com slash locked on. That's SoRare. Pretty straightforward. S-O-R-A-R-E.com to draft your team of free play cards. Getting the hiccups. Set your lineup and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash locked on to start playing today and now guys we have a message from another another sponsor and that's FanDuel ladies and gentlemen grand slams no hitters and double plays are back that's right you know it you know it and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel America's number one sports book and that's because right now customers new customers specifically you know what you're getting you can step up to the plate you can call your shot with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Ladies and gentlemen, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. And we're back here on this Locked On Padres podcast. Uh, apparently, just just celebrating the death of this Padres team. And we got the Giants coming up, so let me just tease for you guys tomorrow. We're talking with Ben Kaspik of Locked On Giants. That's going to be fun previewing that series against a team that has been struggling. So hopefully, Padres can bounce back against them. But in fairness, it wasn't all bad in the series for the Padres. Um, on Wednesday, so that is last night's game by the time you guys are listening to this, um, the Padres win five to three, and in this game, you get Mr. Michael Waka. Here's Pac-Man. He's he's looking at the camera as we speak. Waka Waka Waka, and he's been um, regressing lately after a really strong start. And everybody, uh, look, I know some people have messaged me saying they picked me up. They picked him up in fantasy. I should you should have messaged me beforehand, man. I, I told you this guy is just not that incredible of a starter. He's gonna flash great stuff, but overall on the season has not been that effective because he's gotten absolutely torched. The expected stats are raging back at Michael Waka with a vengeance right now. His last three starts, April 15th against Milwaukee, he goes four and a third, giving up 11, 11 hits and seven earned runs against the Brewers. Against the Diamondbacks, he gave up five earned runs, which was slightly better, but also 10 hits. And in this game against the Cubs, five innings, three earned runs on four hits. So thankfully, he didn't give up, you know, double-digit hits this time, but... He just doesn't look at all that great. When Waka's off, he's off. And I said this in the offseason that before they signed him, my thing was, yes, 
Obviously, I'd rather have a more major league proven guy just because I didn't know what was going on with Weathers. I didn't know what was going on with the farm system, especially since they traded Mackenzie Gore. Um, I didn't know exactly what they were doing. So I was like, yeah, of course. Like, let's go give this guy a contract. It's fine. But I do think that last year's Waka isn't what you should be expecting whatsoever. This is not a mid-threes ERA guy. He's a guy who can throw innings and occasionally flash brilliance. Again, he was effective at the beginning of the season. He had that awesome start against the Braves when he struck out 10 and gave up no runs. He can be good at times, but consistently throughout his career, for the most part, he's been a guy who's often hurt and a guy who just hasn't lived up to his total talent. So I just don't think overall it's almost even worth getting mad at a guy like Michael Walker. I just feel like he is what he is at this point. And absent, say, joining the Tampa Bay Rays, who turn you know dust into diamonds pretty consistently, absent that, uh, I just think Michael Waka is what he is, and he's a guy that hopefully can fill out the rotation a little bit. Same thing with Seth Lugo. Um, who's And Lugo, by the way, I think has been more effective, but uh, he gives up three earned runs in this game, unfortunately. Uh, and look, I still love having Pac-Man here. It's an excuse to have my Pac-Man guy here for the Waka thing, but uh, not great for the Padres. And for the Cubs... Drew Smiley, again, I, I mentioned how he made Machado look absolutely silly in his first at-bat. He was pretty effective in this game. He's a guy who's been that weird pitcher that everyone's been waiting because he's had the talent for so long. Um, but he's a decent starter. Uh, whip under one this year, actually, too. So he only gives up two earned runs in this game um, for the Cubs. And it starts in the beginning with Mr. Jakob Cronenworth, who has been hitting a lot better lately, I will add. Um, he hits a triple in this, one, this game, allowing... Nelson Cruz and Xander Bogarts to score, which was rad. And then, uh, unfortunately, though, I was alluding to Waka, an absolute blast from Trey Mancini to let Seiya Suzuki score in the bottom of the fourth inning, just kind of right when the Padres finally scored, give it up and tying it. That was unfortunate. But um, the hero of this game ends up being Fernando Tatis Jr., who in the top of the seventh inning gets the single that the Padres need, allowing Grisham and Haslam Kim to score, putting them ahead, and then he hits an RBI later to give the Padres a two-run lead, enough for Josh Hader to come in and just lock things down, as he almost always does, which was rad. But let me tell you, I have a take. Hottest take. You ready, ladies and gentlemen? Turn the TikTok cameras on, folks. You know what I mean? I don't have a TikTok exactly. I mean, I do, but I don't use it that much. Um, turn on your cameras. You know what I mean? Get your recording devices ready. I 100% if I was the Cubs, I know this sounds crazy, I would have walked Tatis in that seventh inning at bat. I know that sounds crazy, right? Because then you have the bases loaded, but and then you have Juan Soto coming up, right? But I am telling you, from what I have watched this year, and it's been a small sample size for Tatis, I would so much rather have pitched to Juan Soto in that situation right now, which sounds crazy. And also Manny Machado, either one of them, whoever was up next. And guess what ends up happening? Soto grounds out. And then Manny Machado flies out after this. I would have walked Tatis, especially because it opens up the possibility for a double play ball. I would have done that. I actually really think that that would have been an inspired and very risky. It's just rare that you kind of walk to get the bases loaded. But I would have done that. I just think Tatis looks better at the plate. He's making better contact. And Machado is kind of just being a little bit impatient and swinging at the first pitch too often, which I talked about in my article for Just Baseball, on top of just swinging at balls outside the zone these past couple years more, which is understandable. I think the offense fell a lot on his shoulders, so he got more aggressive at the plate, and it paid dividends last season. 
But also last season, he swung at the first pitch a lot. And if you're going to be swinging at the pitch that much, you have a high average and you have a high BABIP, batting average on balls in play, and you're not a speedy player like Machado isn't, um, I thought that there might be some regression. And that's what's happened, I think, this year. And he's been a little bit too pressing at the plate, I think, Machado. Um, I really would have walked out these. I really would have. I know that sounds crazy. You put a super speedster on the on the base pass. You don't know what's going to happen there. But I really think just based on what I've seen this year, I would have much rather pitched to Machado. And who knows if they do that. Again, it would have been an inspired choice. And there's probably a respect for Soto, especially considering um, that Soto is such an on-base threat. Even with his batting average struggles, he can still he's not going to swing at garbage. He's still not swinging at garbage. Still has the third highest walk rate in entire baseball. So I understand that. But even still, if you want to just dare someone to get a hit, that's what I would have done. I would have pressed and don't try and nip the corners with him, which is usually what has worked on striking out Soto this year. He's watched a lot of third strike calls. I just kind of would have dared him. I really would have. I know that's that's crazy. And he might have hit a grand slam and we'd be losing our minds. But in my opinion, that's my hottest take so far of the season. I absolutely would have walked uh, Tatis, despite only having been like his fifth game of the year. I would have walked him. I absolutely would have walked him. Or actually, I think it's sixth game of the year. No, I think it was fifth. Four or five. I don't know. Whatever. You get my point, though. He hasn't played a lot this year, obviously. Um, that's why I would have done. But thankfully, they didn't. And Tatis comes in. Gets the RBI. Huge for the Padres. You saw him amped. You saw even Melvin being like, yeah, like looking and rooting for him. It's amazing how quickly he has come in and seemingly feels like we trust him more to get the job done than Soto and Machado, uh, which is should not be the case. That is bad. And I hope that he, you know, I hope both of those guys figure it out. But I'm not exactly expecting as much. Ladies and gentlemen, before we get into the final moments of this show, talking about all things Padres, I guess, whatever final thoughts I have, let me give you just a second to imagine the possibilities, ladies and gentlemen, of being a GM. Could you imagine? You get your own office, your sweet office, you get to manage the finances, you get to be that person like Kevin Costner in draft day, or that's a dumb comparison, Moneyball. You could be like Brad Pitt in Moneyball. Duh, we're talking about baseball here. Uh, if you want to be like Brad Pitt and Moneyball, making those trade deadline moves. You're eating your your peanuts and trying to, you know, nickel and dime GMs, calling up multiple people. Well, you can sort of live that with Ultimate Pro Baseball GM, which is a fantastically fun game. Uh, it's the coolest one I've played, especially in sports, in a long time. And I'm not a big sports game player. Uh, I play a lot of video games, like, pretty nonstop. But uh, it's it's rare for me for sports games. But this is a really great sim game that you guys should check out. you got to hire the right coaches and staff, sign free agents. you got to... You know, manage the finances. You have to deal with ego personalities and whatnot. How does the chemistry in the clubhouse work? You got to work with all that free agency, everything, and even even scouting and drafting players, which is something that's often missing, I think, uh, from baseball discourse every now and then. So if you're just a casual fan, well, you get to experience that with Ultimate Pro Baseball GM and Lockdown Padres listeners. You get a 100% free boost. That's right, 100% free boost. Just for listening to this show when using the promo code locked on in the game store. So make sure to go check it out. To download the game, just visit probaseballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up on the Apple Play or Google Play, I should say, or App Stores. Go check that out, guys. Probaseballgm.com, Ultimate Baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. And we're back, everybody. Here we are winding down this old podcast. To be quite honest with you, I don't have too much more to say, to be quite honest with you. 
I think that this Cubs series, look, I and I said in the preseason the Cubs are a little bit of my sleeper team. I like them as a ball club. I think they're very effective. Um, I don't feel like it's worth recapping the uh, what is it the Tuesday game all that much because they lose zero to six. Uh, not much to report here. I guess it is worth bringing up Blake Snell, who has a five point four ERA and a one point eight seven WHIP on the season. Um, they lose this game six nothing. Like I said, nobody drives in any runs. Two strikeouts from Tatis, two from Soto. No hits. Machado goes hitless. Just continually disappointing. Xander does draw a walk and get a hit, but it's just been rough. Um, and Justin Steele, I will say, very effective pitcher for them. Low-key kind of a breakout guy. And he, it's not just this year. He was good at the last year, too. So um, while I, I do want to complain about the Padres, I do think that the Cubs are a solid team. I think they're a solid ball club. I like Nico Horner. I like that they brought in Dansby Swanson, who hit his first home run of the season for them. And he's a pretty good defender. And he continually has shown that he's improving as a player. Love that. I think Marcus Stroman's having a bounce back year. Already mentioned Steele. You know, Seiya Suzuki, star from Japan. You know what I mean? Like, he eventually, he hopefully gets it going. He only just recently joined the team again. But uh, I I just really like this Cubs team with, with all those guys. With Patrick Wisdom being a super slugger right now. Uh, not the former ground ball gremlin, but even still. And also, ground ball gremlin, eventually, you know, Matt Mervis, they have a prospect over there that's probably going to get called up and be good. So this is a capable, solid Cubs team. Maybe some fans might not realize, um, like, how much better he's this Cubs team is this year just because they've been so poor uh, the past couple years. You know, they trade all their best players and all that stuff. But I think they're a decent team. But even still, uh, watching the Padres try and hit this team right now, and hitch any team, as a matter of fact, has been incredibly disappointing. Um, look, in terms of the offense, I just did that thing that, uh, you know, rant on Machado and how he's been impatient. I think he needs to change his approach at the plate. Hopefully moving him in down the order might help. But I think for me, uh, the, the Juan Soto thing really is, it, it, it's a great example for why you cannot only look at, you know, the baseball savant kind of um what's it called like the stat page because if you look at that he's 87th in average exit velocity he's 87th percentile in max exit velocity 96th percentile in hard hit rate his expected slugging is in the 74th percentile his expected weighted on base is in the 8th percentile his barrel rate is 85th percentile his walk rate is in the 98th percentile and his chase rate is in 94th percentile he's been great and to be honest, while he has been poor on defense, he's basically done so far this year what I kind of expected, 42nd percentile and outs above average. It's not the worst in the world. You know what I mean? Like he's been a lot better as a defender, like at least in the way he's not, you know, a, a, a turnstile, I think, as a defender so far this year, which is, hey, look, if the offense was what Wanso has historically did, which is a 280 batting average, 400 on base, which is obscene, and then slugging like 490, or even 500 sometimes, then the this would be huge that he's at least gotten a little bit, he's cleaned up the defense just a little bit, and that he's you know tuned his reaction times a little bit better in the outfield, being just a little bit more um, activated in that respect. But he's been so poor with the offense this year. The amount of times that he's just watched balls go in there for strike three, even if they're close strike calls, you can't be letting those balls pass by, man. You can't be relying only on your walk rate. He's striking out way too much, and he doesn't do that. And it's just, it's so frustrating. Guys, oh my god. The past, aside from this year, the past three seasons, his strikeout rate was only 14%. 14.5, 14.2, and 14.3, respectively, the past three years. 
And his walk rate was higher by about 6% each of those years. And with the Padres, it's the highest strikeout rate of his career, 25.9%. And his walk rate is low, or I shouldn't say low. It's lower, but it's only like a little bit lower, 19.6%. Usually it's around 20 but it's just really rough watching him. It's They say it could be, you know, the the pitch clock, that that might be a thing. But so far this year, he's not killing four-seam fastballs. Last year, his run value on that was plus 18 against four-seam fastballs. He crushes fastballs. It's not like he always crushes off-speed stuff, but if you try and throw off-speed stuff, he's not going to swing at it. That's what was always so great about Soto, that, yeah, okay, maybe he might not take your curveballs, that are outside on the plate, like for an opposite field hit necessarily, but it wouldn't matter because it would be so hard. You can't locate those pitches because you're so afraid that he's going to hit anything that's not an off-speed bit, off-speed pitch into the seats. And he just hasn't done that. He's not hitting well uh, platoon-wise. He's hitting a lot more infield fly balls. He's got a 676 OPS right now. 339 OBP is good considering how low his batting average is. But he's been a freaking nightmare. And it is so frustrating because this is a team, and I'm not, I don't care about what a player is getting paid or what might get paid. I don't care about that. I don't care that he bet on himself and wants to get paid more. Good for him, whatever. For me, it's just so frustrating that this isn't Adam Frazier. This isn't Eric Hosmer. This isn't Mike Clevenger. This isn't uh, um, Brandon Drury. This isn't Josh Bell. This isn't. Heck, even guys that turned out well, like a Joe Musgrove, whatever. This was as guaranteed, based on what we had seen, based on every smart person that I talked to, every Fangraphs article I read. Fangraphs, by the way, keep in mind, highest projections for any player this year was Juan Soto. He's the projected favorite for MVP for Fangraphs and by FanDuel. He had the best odds to win MVP this year. He was as slam dunk of a guy to trade for as I have ever seen. At least while covering the Padres. In terms of slam dunk that I've ever been alive for, I don't know, like A-Rod when the Yankees traded for him, something, or when the Rangers signed him. Guys like that, you know what I mean? Like, and maybe even Pujols, some would say. Um, although Pujols was getting older. That's the other thing. I just mentioned Pujols. Okay, you guys might say, oh, well, this isn't the only time a guy has fallen off. But he's like 22 years old. Not really. He's actually, to be specific, I think he's 24. He's 24 years old, but you get my point. This should not be happening, and that's what's so frustrating about this. And you look around, and you're seeing guys that are just being more productive all across the place. James Outman of the Dodgers is about to win Rookie of the Year, and he's doing what Juan Soto should be doing. And that's what's, it's just, I think Juan Soto, and I know I've been doing like the hot take thing a lot today, but Juan Soto has been, for me, one of the most frustrating players I've covered on this team. Hosmer was frustrating too. But everyone knew Hosmer wasn't very good. With Soto, and and part of me wants to take a victory lap, but I can't because he, sh- he should get better. It just doesn't make any sense how bad he's been. And I'm going to start reading up and seeing if anyone else has some better data for me that maybe explains this. But it's almost more frustrating just because, like, <laughs> there's all these guys breaking out, man. And you trade your entire farm, and I don't want to do the victory lap. And I, don't get me wrong. Maybe part of me, the obnoxious, you know, punk side of me, might go over and just brag about how I was right. I wasn't right. I was just saying last season that I just didn't think that this was a move move that they had to make. I was super amped about it. It was awesome, and I thought he was going to be a great player. But I didn't think they had to do it. And I'm bringing that up just because Mackenzie Gore looked awesome. 
against the Mets. And you know who I'd rather have right now than Seth Lugo and Michael Waka? And I would have said this even if. I would have said this after those two great starts from Lugo, too. I'd rather have Mackenzie Gore. I really would. Oh, well, Javi, he looked, you know, he started off great, but then he fell apart. Yeah, and then he was out with an injury. So I, I tend to believe that if you're going to pitch poorly and then you're out with an injury, that that's probably responsible for why you were struggling a little bit. And Mackenzie Gore did that against one of the best lineups in the game, and especially in the National League, in the Mets. He absolutely sliced and diced them up. He only gave up one run. The Nationals won that game, which was awesome. Six strong innings, only four hits. He strikes out 10. He's got a three ERA on the season. He's got to watch some of his walk rate stuff. But wouldn't you rather have that, a controllable young guy, than Waka and Seth Lugo? Now, I'm not saying I take Mackenzie Gore over him. But I'm saying that's not all they gave up. You know, they gave up Suzuna, who I don't know if that guy's going to be good, whatever, Dominican prospect that no one's basically seen anything from for the most part. But you give up Robert Hassel, who might be a solid contributor. You give up James Wood, who is a consensus, like, top five prospect in baseball. And then you give up Gore. And then you give up C.J. Abrams, who I know hasn't been super productive so far. In fact, in terms of offense, he I don't think he's been very good at all for the Nationals. But he's a baby. I, I don't mean that, like in a negative way. I know he hasn't been a good offensive player. I know he looks rough right now. But still, the fact that at 22 years old, he's been called up speaks highly of how teams feel about him. You know, it says a lot about him and whatnot. So granted, he's been bad, but he was ready to go. And now, forget the players and the quality of the players they gave up. Now, look at just overall keeping all those players. What if you knew they were signing Bogarts? Do you still want to make that trade for Soto? Because then... Ladies and gentlemen, let's theoretically say this. You have Xander, you have Tatis, you have Manny. Maybe you go. You still do the Carpenter stuff. You have Jacob. You Grisham, hopefully, is going to keep up this bounce back he's having. You could still trade James Wood. I'm not saying you can't, but you didn't have to trade all of those assets. You didn't have to put all of your breads into one basket. I'm all for trading the prospects, but you traded all of them to the point where you have no ammo. So if the Padres find themselves stuck with Soto, and he's going to keep doing this, which is a guy who's hit under 220. In the 80-plus games that he's been with the Padres, he's had a great on-base percentage, but he hasn't been slugging the ball. His on-base has been higher than the slugging percentage for a 280 lifetime hitter. 280 lifetime hitter. If all you get is two years because you're watching what he's doing right now and you don't want to extend him long-term, it's a pretty big disaster for the Padres to give up all those assets that might have been used elsewhere or even used on the team, like in the case of Gore. Maybe you keep him. Maybe you trade Abrams for something. Maybe you trade just James Wood for something. I don't know. But that's how these things go, and that's why I'm so nervous about where the Padres are in with him, and that's why he's been so frustrating. It was as big of a slam dunk as you could find. And just here come the Dodgers. James Outman, he's great. Juan Soto, nowhere to be found. I'm just watching him look at strike three. Watch him swing through pitches, hitting ground outs, hitting into double plays. It's just so frustrating. And uh, I, I and I imagine that I speak for a lot of other Padres fans and listeners and viewers as well. Uh, that this isn't like those other guys they've traded for. This is as guaranteed a guy that you can find. And now we're at a question of saying... I mean, someone even, I forgot who, who asked me the other day, what if the, was it my buddy Rylan? I forgot. What if they traded Soto, try and recup? No take back seeds is what the Nationals are going to say. It's rough. It's rough right now for the Padres. And I'm, I don't think that it's an overreaction to be really concerned about Juan Soto right now. I just don't. I just don't. I'm not seeing it. He's swinging through pitches, looks uncomfortable. I'm not seeing it. I know he hits a 450 foot bomb and I was there. Maybe I should go to every game now. But 
it's just it's been nightmarish watching him. Nightmarish. Same thing for Machado, but nightmarish for Juan Soto. But now that that rant is over, ladies and gentlemen, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Remember, also, at L-O underscore Padres for live tweets of the game. Lockdown Padres on YouTube. And tomorrow's podcast is going to be previewing this series with the Giants. Maybe Ben Kaspik. Who's a big old number jumbo? Love him. Love Ben Casper. Great follow on Twitter. I recommend him as well. Uh, maybe he'll have an explanation. I don't know. You know, maybe maybe he can help me out. I failed math like 20 times growing up. Maybe someone can help me out and give me some data. But until then, guys, remember, of course, stay safe. And of course, stay faithful. My Friar Faithful homies. Take care.